What's up? This is Maggie. This week, I decided to take a minute to talk about how we as product people can and maybe should think about and maybe react to the current business environment. I know for one thing, I've been setting goals and I wanted to make sure I was still on track. So I managed to find Craig, one of our VPs of product and probably my most frequent guest, also my boss, in between hours and hours of Zoom calls the other day to get his advice and perspective on what to do if anything, during times like this. Hope you enjoy it. Please let me know if there's any other topics you want me to cover. You can always find me at maggieatdrift.com. Thanks. So Craig, thank you for coming back on the show for this last second podcast. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So I know I wanted to talk about sort of the current environment that we're experiencing. Obviously, it's pretty wild. There's a lot of change, a lot of uncertainty. And I've talked a lot with you and with others about goals on the show. But a lot of it has to do with kind of like careful, smart planning and thinking ahead and having like hiring plans and all that kind of stuff. But then when something sort of unprecedented happens in the market, it seems like maybe a time where we need to rethink what we're working on and evaluate what we're doing. So I'm just curious to get your advice and your perspective on when sort of super unexpected things happen, like what should product people or people in software or whatever do about their existing plans and like how should they be reevaluating what they're working on? I think it's really important to step back at these moments and reassess. And the number one thing, and we've been doing this here at Drift, is focus. Like, what are the things that are working really well? What are the things that your customers love? What are the big problems your customers are having? And do whatever you can to double down or focus on those things. Every product team always has a flyer or two, like a like something on the back burner. They're testing something out. They're seeing if something would work. This is probably the time to kind of like keep them on the back burner and like focus on the core things that are really pressing for the business. How do you help PMs who are in that position to think about really what is high priority? I think something that's really hard to do, and we went through this a couple weeks ago, which is like okay, you thought you were going to be able to do, you know, maybe four things and now you can only do two or something like that. Like, how do you help people really see what's actually necessary? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, what we've done here working with our founder, Elias, is really looking at the two sides of the product. One is what makes our customers uh, more successful and more adopting of our platform. And then on the other side, what helps our sales team and the market understand the value of our platform? Rather than like ship four things that maybe three of them are for customer health or adoption and one of them's like a new thing that sales could sell, like how could we do two things that solve both problems, right? Kill two birds with one stone, if you will, right? And it's hard, right? Because if you're a very customer-driven product manager like we are, there's lots of customer problems you can solve, right? You have many, many, many of them, right? And so this is a time to like kind of reduce down and think about like, well, we know that this current crisis potentially will hurt new bookings. We know that this current crisis is going to potentially hurt renewals and expansions, right? Everyone's tightening their belt right now. And so we need to make sure that if we're in a competitive deal where somebody is willing to buy, we need to make sure that we win. Right. And so equipping the sales team with the right things to win. And sometimes that just looking at your current product and, and like improving the messaging, improving, improving the packaging. But oftentimes we're in a fortunate space that we, we work with engineers and designers who can build new things. Right. And so if we can build new things that help us to better articulate the value proposition, now's the time. Right. Let's accelerate those. 
Yeah. One thing I think it's natural to fall into a pattern of thinking that this is sort of negative and bad. And in a lot of senses, it is sort of in the macro environment. But one thing that we did this week that actually worked pretty well is everyone's working from home. We had to do a brainstorm. We were trying to kick off goals and we were trying to figure out how to do that remotely. And we were using the Zoom's whiteboard feature. And we just wrote down like, here are the things that we thought we wanted to do. Here are the constraints that we have in terms of our team, you know, what we think is possible, needing to provide customer value, all that kind of stuff. And then we just kind of looked at it together and we said, okay, how can we as a team approach this new environment? It ended up kind of being like a positive because we we had to think differently about the problems we thought that we knew. That is one thing that's really hard remote. I don't think we figured out the muscle yet is that brainstorming with the team. I'm such a like kind of in-person, get to the whiteboard type of person, as you know, that hasn't been super easy. I think what you said there around constraints is really important. Oftentimes when you're a growing company like ours, resources are somewhat unconstrained, right? We're continuing to hire. We've grown tremendously in headcount over the last couple of years. One of those constraints is, is like, let's not count on that. Like we're still hiring, but let's not count on that. It's going to be like it was before because we don't know how long this is going to take. So let's get a little bit more creative and focus. And I think the best creative moments usually come out of constraints, constrained environment, which is that's what we do a good job of if you're a good product person is is you you figure out what the constraints are. That's why dates are always a good constraint, a good forcing function to get creative. This is an additional constraint, which is we have to focus because we just don't know what, what will happen, how long this will be, right? How this will impact business. Yeah, I kind of felt like, of course, I can't remember the movie, but the, the scene maybe was Apollo 13 when... Every all the, all the engineers get in a room, they dump all the materials on the table, and it's like, okay, we have to go from here to here, and these are all the things that we have. Exactly. I think what you'll find is this is when teams bond really well, right? Because like one of the constraints that we did as we're kicking off Q2, as you know, is we just said, let's have each team just have one big rock. Big rock is a metaphor, big rock, small rocks, and sand. It's like a Stephen Covey thing, but we use it here, which is let's make sure every team has one big rock that's super clear and make sure they understand exactly what their outcome they're expecting to get from that big rock. And the big rock doesn't necessarily need to be a feature. It could be a, a, a customer problem or a sales problem. And I think that's one constraint that we added as part of this later goal setting, because what we had seen in the past is sometimes people would have multiple medium-sized rocks or small rocks, right? And they're not as impactful. So we're asking every team to have one big thing that makes an impact on on a sales or customer problem. I think that constraints helped some creativity as well as we're focusing here. How do you think about helping the teams avoid overreacting or kind of organizations thinking about what to do in the current environment? How would you approach that problem? Because I, I would imagine that we don't want to swing too far and then come out of this in a bad position of some sort. So like, how do you think about like what is enough of a reaction? Yeah, I mean, first off, I'd say established reality like we're very lucky we're in in the u.s in boston most people around here are very educated and able to be in their homes and be safe right and so we're very very fortunate there's a lot of people out there who are less fortunate from us in addition we are fortunate that we can work from home and and still do our jobs and still do things like this so like First off, like in the Maslow hierarchy of needs where like you have shelter and safety, like we're covered, right? We can just stay in our homes. So like, let's not freak out too much here. At the end of the day, we still have the ability to do that. But for the business standpoint, I mean, in our case, our company is still growing. 
sales are still coming in. You've, you've seen in Slack, our sales channel, customers are still buying like crazy big deals too, which is amazing. We've been very fortunate that we're not in the travel business, right? We're not in other businesses like that, that are going to see a ton of churn. So like, let's not get too worked up about it. And let's just get practical and, and let's focus on like what we can do to help. A little bit, that's just a dose of reality, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's a short way of saying what I'm saying, which is we don't have it that bad. We're super fortunate, right? So let's not overreact. But I think that's a really important point, though, that like I think it's really easy in tech to get wrapped up in whatever is going on in our bubble. But having a little dose of put yourself in context and think about really what's happening and how bad or not that bad it is for you or for the team. And then focusing on being practical. I think that's probably a really helpful antidote to like, oh shit, we have to like change everything and like redo what we're working on because like who knows what's going to happen. All we're asking people to do is is to make sure instead of having multiple medium or small rocks to have one big rock. And then when they evaluate that big rock, let's make sure make sure it's something that can ship in Q2 and let's make sure that it impacts the business. Let's be accountable to that and do whatever you can to make that happen, even if that means not doing any small or medium rocks or anything else, right? Like, let's just focus on one thing. I think that'll prove effective for the teams here. And if we ramp up hiring as we get out of this and we're fortunate to add more resources, then we're fortunate to add more resources, right? But let's not expect that as we play in Q2. Let's just work with what we have. Yeah, and I think that one of the things I've been thinking about is the problems that we were looking to solve or the opportunities that we saw with our customers haven't necessarily changed. And so that's kind of a lens that I've been thinking about is if the macro environment is different, does that change the environment of our customers? Like, does that change the problems that we need to solve? And if not, you're still kind of solving the right problems if you did your roadmap plan or your goal planning correctly. I think it's more like if there was an environmental change that changed your customer's reality, then maybe you'd have to change what you were doing. Yeah. In our case, we still, I mean, we're mostly B2B, and mostly working for our biggest segments like high-tech companies, right? Like us. For the most part, they're still trying to sell and service their customers. And if anything, our key customers who are demand gen leaders and marketing leaders are focusing more, if anything, on the traffic they have on their website to get more out of it. And so Drift is becoming more of an opportunity. So for us, we've been, again, very, very lucky that our customers are focusing even more on drift, which is great. So we can we can double down and help them, help them get more out of it. We're helping customers as well. Like we have a lot of customers who are, who do events, live events, like like we do. And we had some big customers who are going to launch live events with Drift Chat right in there, right. And that's something we hadn't done a big online events with hundreds of thousands of people. But we're going to learn through that, right. And we, we're going to adapt really quickly to help them out. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's something that I saw Stuart from Slack. He was tweeting about organizational agility and how important it is to be able to, in the the sort of modern world, to be able to adapt really quickly to the changing needs of the market that you're in. And I think that's a good example for us, at least, of how that's showing up. I think the foundation here, which you've spent a lot of time on your podcast talking about kind of how we work, and you had Elias on in a prior episode talking about the engines that we run and how we try to be systematic about our approach. And I will tell you, if we didn't have these systems in place, it would be a lot harder to be agile. Some of the biggest ones we do in product, as you know, and you really help lead and and kind of refine these, one is our quarterly goals strategy and goals engine. And that is pretty much going on without a hitch, right? We're well ahead of schedule on our Q2 goals. 
where we have all the the steps in place here and we expect that in the first week or so of April, we'll be off to the races for Q2. Of course, some of the constraints that we put on it are a little bit different, but the outcome is still the same. We have this pretty unique thing, which I think you've talked about, which is our biweekly product reviews, where every two weeks, the product manager does a short video and then we have kind of a 20-minute discussion about that Q&A. We're still running that. That works remote. That works while you're in the office. And it's, it's proven to be a really nice system that's scaled really well. So we've been fortunate that we had those systems in place and had built that muscle because when we're able now to adapt a little bit better and be more agile to what's getting thrown at us here. Yeah, I actually don't know if I've ever really dug into the biweekly. I should do a short episode on the meeting that started it all. Kind of a question on products and our roles. I'm just curious how you think about the role of the PM and or of the product leads in this type of environment? Like, does anything about our job sort of shift? Do we have any responsibility change? Like, I've been feeling a lot more accountable to making things clear for the team than maybe I would in the past. So I'm just curious to get your take on it. I think there's that metaphor Ben Horowitz is famous for, the peacetime wartime metaphor. You've probably seen this all over Twitter, like everyone's saying it's wartime right now. And, And I think it is, right? And so... That's a really good post to just see kind of the types of things that you you do peacetime versus wartime. I think you have to do fewer things, focus on them, have to be really crisp and articulate about what we're trying to do, and then really be detail-oriented. Let's just say the team is like, hey, Maggie, we'd love your input on this Figma walkthrough that we want to do. Maybe two months ago, you might pick out like the three big things that should be tweaked but maybe not every tiny little thing. Well, in this, in this, it's no, you're tagging like, there's a typo here. Why is this fun off? Why is that, you know what I mean? Like, because we're focusing, right? And I think that that's okay. And we're seeing the same thing from all the executives across the business. We're seeing the same thing from our founders right now. I've spent a lot more time with Elias, our CTO and co-founder in the last two weeks than I did in the prior two weeks, right? Just because we're hyper-focusing on like what we need to do to, to make a difference here. I think that's healthy. These are wake-up calls sometimes for teams to kind of step back and refocus. Also, in times like this, people are looking for leaders who make some decisions and are clear about things, not leaving things up in the air where, just to continue with that metaphor, in peacetime, maybe, I don't know, try something, see how it works, I'll check with you in two weeks. It's like, no. Let me simplify your world. I would just do this one thing. Don't worry about all that other stuff. Let's just focus on this one thing and go, right? It's a little bit of just adding more clarity and more specificity, can hardly say that word, to what we're (laughs) trying to do. Yeah, I think that makes sense. What are the lessons that you're taking from sort of prior crises that you've, you've lived through? I mean, we talked briefly about 08, which I was working when that happened. Obviously, there was 2001. So just curious, like how what your perspective is kind of going into this situation, having been through those others. I started in the late kind of the mid to late or 97 is when I started, but in the mid to late 90s, you know, 2001, I was really fortunate to be in a super hot startup that was solving a big healthcare problem. And we kind of were still hiring through that bubble, the bubble burst and everything. And it didn't impact me too, too much personally. And I was pretty I was still relatively junior. I wasn't like a director or whatever at that point. So I just kind of did my job. But in 2008, I had just before, like literally five months before that, switched to 
a company that was just raised a huge C round, 15 million bucks or something like that. Maybe it was a B round, I forget, but another 15 million bucks. And we built a video platform for marketers and agencies. And when 2008 hit, and this is all B2C, when 2008 hit, literally every B2C brand stopped their spending on kind of interactive media online overnight. It was like insane. I've never seen anything like it. And we actually got to the point where we had to do a pretty big layoff. We went from about 30 people to nine. I was head of product and engineering at that company. We went from 30 people to nine. We ended up spinning it out to another company. That was a really tough time. But the lesson I took from that was, quite frankly, we probably scaled too fast, right? There were two things that happened. One, we hadn't really nailed the, the product market fit before we took in all this money to scale. And then we're also just in a little bit of his bad luck. We're in the wrong industry when the recession hit, right? It's really hard to be in an advertising when budgets get cut. On the people front, though, and on the focus front, I mean, obviously, when you have to do a layoff, that's a constraint, right? You have to get creative and figure out what works, what you need to do going forward. But it's a really hard time. I, I guess I learned a lot of lessons in like working with people and empathy. That was probably my first time I had to do a layoff where I was like, literally talking to 15 people and had one by one had to do it. It gave me a lot more respect for just being disciplined and like in your hiring and, and scaling the team. If I were to ever do it again, go back to a super early stage or even start my own thing, I'd just be a lot more disciplined, even if we were in a super bull market like we were. Yeah. Cause you can kind of see, see around the corner, see what's coming and you understand the human cost of that. I mean, I remember, I think like 15, 20% of the team that I was on got laid off in 08. And I, that was to me, like, you're not guaranteed to have a job. You're not guaranteed to have anything. Like, I think probably one of the biggest lessons I took out of that, because I was definitely not in management that time, was like, you have to be in charge of your own career and you have to be kind of looking out for for what you're looking for because no one, like, no one's going to be able to do that for you and companies have to make really tough decisions. You have to make these business decisions sometimes that are really hard when we are scaling a team and we're putting these systems in place and we're being rigorous about our hiring and we're being rigorous about what we work on and, and how we work on it, it's all informed by the same thing because we have no choice but to be successful. We have to be successful. We have to grow the business. If we don't grow the business, you have those other hard things that have to happen. That's probably the biggest lessons. I mean, it sounds obvious, but as an engineer kind of coming up for the first handful of years of my career before I got into management and product, you don't think about those things. To close, like what advice would you give to PMs or product leads or people who are out there who are kind of thinking like, oh shit, what do I do? What's the one or two pieces of advice that you give them right now? So reduce the number of things you're doing right now. So if you have a big, long backlog and you're looking to get 10 things done, try to get three things done. Make those three things really great, really impactful for your customers and really impactful for your sales team so that they can sell. So that's number one. You want to make sure that you keep on selling and you keep on servicing and retaining your customers. Number two, if you don't have systems in place, like a cadence, like a weekly cadence or a biweekly cadence that you're reviewing these things or a process to set your goals, probably now's a good time, right? Because when these moments happen, this is when you can enact change, right? Change can be enacted in crisis moments, really. Just look at our government, right? Look at the bills that they're signing in this moment of crisis that would take forever to sign if there wasn't anything going wrong. So now's your moment to move and simplify things and put a process or system in that helps you be more resilient to these things in the future. And then the last but not least, just 
everybody's working from home right now and just be empathetic. Not everybody handles that the same way. Some people don't literally don't have a place to, to work. Some people have kids at home, you know, all the types of things. So like we've been very flexible with people, you know, maybe they can't work midday. They got to deal something with the kids, but then they jump on at night after the kids are in bed and that's fine. Right. So just be more present and thoughtful about those things. That's about it. Yeah. And I would just add on that last one that I think this is a great time to have a positive attitude as a leader and to do things to help lighten the load for your team. I think that's something that I've been thinking about a lot too, not just being like focus, 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 but also, okay, how can I bring some levity to the situation? How do I lighten that, like the anxious load that everyone's kind of feeling? Yeah, that's a good point. And our team's been great. I mean, like just the stuff that's popped up, just creating community. I'm sure a lot of companies are doing this happy hours over Zoom and stuff like that to keep the community going and stuff. But yeah, there's nothing like a, a moment like this to help you get reevaluate and get your priorities straight. This is what happens. Awesome. Well, thanks, Craig. I really appreciate you taking time in your 20 Zoom day to chat with me probably for the fifth time. This isn't Zoom, so this doesn't count on my Zoom quota for the day. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'll see you on a Zoom in like 20 minutes anyway. All right. See you, Maggie. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks. 